You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, I'd like to uh, welcome everyone to another Locked On Indians. This is your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. Prior to the reports you might have heard, I am not a jinx. Um, I had a few uh, angry Angels fans with... Uh, after my discussions about the Indians should try to trade for Tommy Listella and Brian Goodwin, and then both of them going on the disabled list at the same time. I had nothing to do with that. Uh, I do not have bad luck. Though I will say um, the first 10 concerts I went to, um, at least one band who was either the opener or the main did break up within uh, a year of me going to see them. So uh, uh, maybe I am bad luck. So I'm sorry, Angels fans. On today's show, we are going to uh, look at today's game, a finish off a sweep of the Royals. They have tomorrow off before this quick two-game series against the Cincinnati Reds, and uh, you know we'll do some uh, some division watching. Uh, the second half of the show, we're gonna talk about some stuff that Jason Stark wrote over on the Atlantic. Um, discuss the ever-popular Trevor Bauer and, um, you know, kind of go into, that ties into the stuff with Stark. And if there's time, we will get a real dive into the the rubber ducks today, as uh, I did not manage to get that on last night's show, as promised. So the Indians, uh, it wasn't a pretty one, but they got the sweep today. Zach Plesak with uh, another struggling uh, outing. The it, it, the concern I think with him long term is he has not shown propensity for missing bats in the um, in the majors so far. We'll have to continue to track that, but that is definitely something that is a bit of a concern there. I was uh, speaking negatively about AJ Cole this week. He comes in pitches well. Tyler Clippard is uh, first career. He has been a respectable reliever, and he continues to be that. Uh, Adam Simber, I was talking about how he really needs to just be a rookie. Uh, they didn't listen to me. It's <laughs> pitching two and a third innings, pitches quite well. He gets the win. Uh, Nick Wetgren gives up a run in the ninth in a non-save situation. So outside of Plesak, you can't really complain too much about any of those performances. Um, luckily, this one really was never in doubt. Uh, I mean, maybe that's not fair. To say, I mean, they, the Royals did take a three-one lead, but I just, for me at least, uh, it never. I I didn't, and I know the Indians didn't take a lead to the seventh, but I just I kept expecting it to happen with the way they've played of late and with as bad as the Royals are. Um, their bullpen, Homer Bailey, was all right. Their bullpen ended up exploding though. And that's what cost them the game. Uh, two home runs by Jose Ramirez is, of course, the story of the game. He had five coming into the game. So, uh, it's, you know, if we do the quick math, 40% of uh, his home run total, what would be the equivalent of 40% of his home run total entering the game, he hit uh, in that one. It, 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 great to see. He had a great game Tuesday, Wednesday scuffled. Great game Thursday. Hopefully we'll see some positive momentum going into the All-Star break. Um, we'll talk more about him when I talk about some of the stuff Jason Stark talked about. Uh, Lindor, two for three with a walk. Santana. Santana comes to the plate five times, um, reaches base four times, gets his average up over 300 now. His on-base percentage is up 
to 40, basically, you know, it's 420. So 42% of the time he comes up, he's getting on base, which is just phenomenal. Uh, Kipnis doesn't do anything and he's still hitting cleanup. Uh, it's infuriating. Uh, Bauer is 0 for 4. Uh, Kevin, Kevin P, uh, another solid game for him. Bobby Bradley, nice to see. Two for three. Uh, just one strikeout. It feels like the first game where he has more uh, reaches base more than he has struck out. One of those being a, a double. Nice to, to you know let to get in there and hit one. Uh, help build up that confidence for him. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a need. And Naquin goes one for three. Uh, he's just an odd situation where you have him hitting ninth in this lineup with all the guys in there who are struggling and it's not like he's been a great hitter um by any means but you know it it's one for three but he also had a walk so he reached base 50 percent of the time he came up he's been a respectable hitter this year and yet they have him ninth uh or francisco lindor at his 13th stolen base of the year Kevin Ploiecki got caught stealing. Uh, hey, uh, weird things happen. Bobby Bradley with an error. Um, and you don't want him. I, I will say, you know, that when he was in double A, I had people telling me that he made some of the biggest improvements they'd ever seen defensively, like over the course of a year, that he really seemed to develop there and that he could be a potential big league first baseman. So uh, then I've had other reports from people who think that he's a DH all the way. It's always interesting how reports can be all over the place. But at the end of the day, the Indians get the win. Uh, Santana and, you know, the bigger story is, of course, Ramirez. Hopefully, 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 hopefully he's going to turn things around. Uh, Okay, so that explains, you know, yesterday I had my confusion about why is the, uh, shouldn't the Indians be at a six-gamer? I guess the Twins game when I recorded wasn't over yet because they only have a one-game losing streak, and it had shown them at a two-game losing streak. Uh, they lost tonight, though, so the Indians are now just six games back. Uh, think about where they were when people were leaving the Indians for dead. They are six games back of the Twins at this point. That is kind of amazing. Uh, I I don't think in my um, fondest projections I would have expected them to be that close. And Tampa lost against so the Indians. Are now just one game back of the number one spot in the wild card. They are a game up on Oakland. It's they're in an enviable position. And what's crazy about this is going into the year, the strength of uh, the Cleveland Indians was their starting pitching. And now we're at a point where, I mean, they're, they're not going to have a single starting pitcher. Uh, when you do like the half year talk for, uh, you know, who's the MVP, they're not going to have anyone who, uh, who's going to be for the Cy Young. There's not going to be anyone in that discussion from Cleveland. Uh, they don't have a starter in the All-Star game for the first time in a while. The pitching staff has really been hurt or and or disappointing when you look at uh, a Trevor Bauer. So in the grand scheme of things, you look at that, you look at an offense that at points has been historically bad, and somehow they're just six games out of first place in the division. They don't have any business being that close. Um, so... 
I mean, the MVP of this team clearly at this point is Carlos Santana. I mean, it, it's I, I illustrated on the show last night. He's one of the top 10 to 11 hitters in baseball this year, and he has done a lot to help carry this team forward. Uh, it's, like I said, a, a game back in the wild card, two games back in the... Uh, or two games, six games back in the uh, the division, and... Yeah, you have to be feeling good heading into this All-Star break just where the way things are shaken up. You know, the Twins are on a bit of a a slide. The Indians are on this climb. The last two games for the Indians are against um, a Reds team, which is better than you would expect. I I don't want people just because they're, you know, uh, settler dwellers to kind of think it's going to be a gimme game or anything like that. Though the nice thing is they are facing... Uh, the Reds' two worst starters, whereas Minnesota is going to have to go into and face Texas. Uh, and on Sunday, they will get Mike Miner, who is in the Cy Young conversation, honestly, this year. They do get Samson in Game 1 on Friday. But uh, Texas has played so well this year. They're still in the wild card hunt. That's a, a much harder matchup than the Cincinnati Reds. So the Indians could conceivably go into the break with that lead down even further than what it's currently sitting at right now. And now is a good time for a word from our sponsors. First up is Hotels.com, website or app. Uh, they will tell you the places you should not go to. They will show you the best deals. They will save you time and money. Uh, you want to go there because that is their whole model. They are going to make it easier on you and save you money so you go back to them. Uh, use them, you should use them. Our other sponsor is BlueChew.com. It is the little blue pill, like Viagra or Cialis, same active ingredients. But since it's chewable, it gets your bloodstream quicker, makes you ready to go quicker. If you go over to BlueChew.com, use the promo code MLB, you can try it for free. You're just going to have to pay the 5 bucks for shipping. This is your chance. If you've ever been curious, you want to see what it's like, get discreetly mailed to your door. You're just going to pay that 5 bucks in shipping, and you can see what all the hype is about. Remember, it's BlueChew.com, promo code MLB. Uh, I will apologize for some of the distractions earlier in the show. I've been a little bit giddy uh, checking out the uh, Miami Marlins. I wanted to call them the Florida Marlins. Not so much because of uh, anything record-wise, but because I was super high on, if you read my you know top 11 prospects for them, I was super high on Zach Allen and Jordan Yamamoto, uh, both undersized guys without big fastballs. The exactly type of guy who tends to get uh, underrated uh, supremely by scouts and uh, just uh, sites in general. And Yamamoto, I was noticing four starts this year, two, three, five ERA, strikeout rate over nine, nearly a one uh, war, and uh, his uh, his his walks are a little higher, but his whips under one. And I was also noticing Zach Gallen uh, has been pretty extremely effective as a relief pitcher for the Marlins. So I was just uh, doing kind of my daily check-in as I, I got distracted. I, I had forgotten I had those stats up. So that is my added distraction in the podcast that is now over. But uh, as promised, we're going to dive into some things I saw that uh, Jason Stark wrote over on the uh, Athletic 
And the first thing was that he named the least valuable player for the first half, Jose Ramirez. And it's hard to argue with that. One of the interesting notes from there is that uh, there's only one hitter who's ever kind of had the highs of Jose Ramirez and the lows, and that's Chris Davis, who has been about as volatile a player as, as it gets during his major league career, just in terms of performance. And we'll see how the the year continues to go for Ramirez. Uh, we're hoping this Royal Series is a sign of better things to come. But uh, it's been just an uneven year, and the concern is that it's been an uneven since you know last year. Even that this is something that is stretched across multiple seasons. The other uh, interesting thing was that he predicted that uh, Trevor Bauer would be traded, and. The thought process would be that the Indians might buy early and uh, sell late. And then he mentioned that, you know, uh, it could be uh, looking for a similar deal like the uh, the Rays made for when they traded Chris Archer to the Pirates. Now, I don't necessarily agree with the assessment that it's, uh, you know, the Indians might fall out and sell late. And the reason for that is simply... Uh, I agree with a, a minor point at the end that he makes that uh, maximizing Bauer's value is trading him now. And I think if they could get a deal similar to the uh, the Archer deal, they'd have to jump because the Archer deal essentially gave the Rays a outfielder who was ready to go and a replacement pitcher who was ready to go, both of which had been former top 20 prospects who... I mean, frankly, both of which have been former top 10 overall in baseball prospects, who some of the shine had come off of. Um, both players are performing well, and the player to be named later was Shane Ray, who had been phenomenal um, for the Pirates and the Miners, and was a very high draft pick. He was my number one prep pitcher of the year that uh, the Pirates drafted him. So it, it was a lot. Now, Archer was signed for longer. It was a contract that is more friendly. Uh, Bauer is going to be in line for quite the payday at the end of this year, even with his struggles. So I don't think you're going to net anything quite near that. But I think the what that deal was, which was two players ready to help now, one player who uh, who's uh, down the road is essentially what the Indians are probably going to try to do. That Something similar to that would make sense. Um, if they're trying to net talent, uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see, especially because you know the reports are the Yankees aren't super high on him. Uh, I think the Indians, if they do trade him, would prefer to see him go out west somewhere. So when you look at the wild or the wild card, when you just look at the, I don't know why I said out west. Uh, I've more meant they would like to see him go to the National League, I guess, because the Indians are on in the East Coast, but. You know, it's the the Brewers could make some sense. Uh, I don't I don't know if the Braves are really looking to add um, pieces that are going to subtract from their overall depth. And then once you get beyond that, it's the what's weird right now is the American League is is very much tightly knit with very few teams at the bottom. The National League, you see that to a degree with. I mean, I guess that it follows through the National League too, because um, right now it's a three-team tie for the wild card. Technically, because the Brewers and Cubs um, are tied, so one would be division leader, one would be in the wild card. Then you got the Nationals um, also there, and then the Phillies are half a game back in spite of their struggles. 
game back for Colorado in spite of their struggles. Game and a half by St. Louis, and then three for Arizona and Pittsburgh. And Arizona and Pittsburgh are below 500. So you're looking at those teams above 500. And the Washington Nationals just don't have a lot to move uh, to add pieces at this point. I mean, that is a, a team that is low on assets. Uh, you is there a world where the Brewers would move Keston, uh, Huara? I don't know. I mean, they're not letting him play right now in the majors, even though they could use him, so possibly. Uh, Cubs, that's another one where they're they're, they're a bit lacking. I, I think they're, I mean, if the Indians and the Cubs really could figure it out, I think there'd be a world where something could work because the Cubs, you know, there's the Ian Happ who struggled this year and has been in the minors. But we've seen high-level performance from. There's some interesting prospects there. Uh, Philly. Philly is not as deep as one would think. Uh, when I wrote up their top prospects list, a lot of their second-rounders just haven't hit. A lot of their first-rounders haven't been all that impressive. It's not a list that inspires uh, a ton of confidence uh, from the outside looking at what they put together with a team that is you know, had a lot of high draft picks. I mean, Mickey Moniak was the first overall pick in the draft, and I didn't dislike that pick. I mean, I didn't think he was quite that good, but uh, he's and I, he may not even be a top tenner in their system right now. I'd have to see how he's performed this year, but uh, he was very borderline. St. Louis, again, kind of lacks pieces. Uh, their miners have been a bit up and down, and you know they used a lot of their their assets to go and get Paul Goldschmidt, and that hasn't worked out. So there's some spots, and I still think a Bauer deal is going to happen before it's all said and done, because this is a front office that uh, wants to maximize value, and you maximize value by trading Trevor Bauer when there is more than a year left on his um, contract. Uh, there's a chance you could hold him throughout the whole year trying to maximize value with the idea being that uh, next year a team would still be able to net a comp pick. But the big thing is then your your back's up against the wall. You almost have to trade him in the offseason for best package because once you get into the season, um, it's just not going to be there for you. The values start to fall off a cliff. Just look at uh, what someone like... Late, I didn't hate the Machado deal, but it was essentially one uh, one big name prospect and then some performers. It wasn't a you know this high end deal. So if you want that high end deal, this is the, the Indians are approaching kind of their last chance to get that, especially because I mean Kluber's value doesn't exist right now until he comes back and shows that he's not uh, done for after a, a rough start. So. That's really their chance to net anything of value uh, because I think the problem with a, a Brad Hand deal is going to be the Giants are going to sell and the Giants have four or five. I mean, the, the Giants are going to sell. Detroit's going to be shopping uh, Shane Green. The Royals are going to shop Ian Kennedy, who's having a good year, and they're probably going to be willing to eat. There's going to be a lot of relievers on the market, and I don't think anyone's going to want to pay a premium because it's going to be a lot of depth. Like I said, the Giants have like legitimately three to four good pen arms that they're going to have out there, likely. Um, Shane Green has been phenomenal. Ian Kennedy's been good. And those are just top-of-my-head guys. There's going to be 
uh, a glut of pen arms. So if the Indians are, are looking for help, uh, you know, your best hope is likely Bauer. So let's, uh, with a little bit of time left, talk about the the rubber ducks of Akron. Um, this year, you know, I talked about on last night's show, is a team that... Uh, you wanna you wanna catch on the right night because you wanna go when there's a starting pitcher of note. Offensively, uh, Kaye Tom has been phenomenal for them. Uh, he's not really a prospect anymore, though he's he's just 25 years of age. Uh, he had some injuries that slowed him up. He is repeating the level. He's undersized. He doesn't have a plus tool. He doesn't run particularly well, though he is playing center field. But he's always been a smart hitter. He's walking 13 percent of the time. He's hit 14 home runs in the park that is not. Uh, you know, not easy to to hit the ball out of. Uh, there's a lot of reasons to enjoy what he has done this year. Um, you go down the line. Ernie Clement has uh, surprisingly run into one home run this year. He might have some of the lowest power production in the Indians minors, and that's always going to kind of be the holdback with him. Uh, he's hitting well. He's not uh, not walking much. He's never struck out much, but that's the thing. He's a high-contact hitter, and that's going to probably limit him as a, a utility future just because there's no power there. He's not really a high-on-base guy because he doesn't walk a bunch. Um, he runs okay. I wouldn't really call it a plus skill. So, yeah, it's um, it's kind of a, it's a limited profile, which leads to that kind of overall utility profile Connor Maribel has been up and down for them uh, he's been a, a guy that kind of moving up and down in the system Mitch Luongo is getting a extended look there um, but I mean this is a group offensively that uh, let's see so Kaye Tom, Daniel Johnson Wilson Garcia, Ernie Clement Mitch Luongo, Alex Call and Connor Maribel are the only guys with OPSs over 700 and um all of them started the year at at least 23 years of age. It's an older group. Uh, most of them not being viewed as as real prospects. Uh, only Johnson and Tom had OPSs over 800. It speaks again to how well Daniel Johnson has played this year. So it's offensively, it's it's a hard group. Uh, you know, Nelly Rodriguez got demoted back down there, and he's struggling to hit 200. Which is, you know, unfortunate. He's a guy who's worked really hard. I've always uh, found him to be a, a, you know, a nice individual. He's a, a translator often when we, uh, when I would have to speak with someone in Double A who's um, wasn't confident in their English skills. So it's, uh, you know, you want to see the uh, someone like him perform better. But in general, it's just a team where no one's doing much of anything. Um, so yeah, Kaye Tom, uh, you know, he's doing enough to, uh, uh, later this month I will be getting out to Akron, and I'm looking forward to, to talking with the people there, um, seeing what they think about him, and kind of seeing if they think there's a bit more of a future there than people are giving credit for. The other interesting thing is the really high bat pip, which is a sign of positive contact in the minors. Like, you want high bat pips. It's not the, oh, he's overly lucky guys can sustain high bat pips in the minors because it's typically that they are better in the competition they're facing so when you combine that with the walk rate i mean there's there's maybe a chance that kaya tom could be a, a future 
fourth outfielder, platoon bat. So just keep your eyes on that. I mentioned it's a really hard park to hit home runs, so it's a bit of a concern that Eli Morgan's home run rate is over one. Uh, walk rate is under four. Strikeout rate is over nine. He is still missing bats. I still think long term he's going to be in the pen, and I think he'll be really good there. Um, but I, we'll see. I mean, you keep running him out there. Guys have a hard time picking up his stuff, so he is performing well. Uh, walk rate, home run rate are up, but everything else he really has not missed a beat on his promotion. And that's uh, now 10 games, so we're starting to get where it's in an interesting sample size. Kyle Nelson, I mentioned before, now up to 19 games. Strikeout rate is nearly 13, walk rate a little over 3. Hit rate is still at 4, really hard for guys to pick up. 2.08 ERA, so he has had some runs off of him. Uh, Adam Scott, one of last year's draft picks, uh, he's up to 3 starts, but walk rate under 1.5, strikeout rate over 8. Left-hander was a senior sign who they gave more than the typical senior sign money. Just, you know, typically the senior sign is not someone we pay attention to as much, but he is only 23 in AA, uh, performing well, uh, aggressively pushed through the minors. I mentioned uh, Jared Robinson, who was a former starter. They moved to the pen. Strikeout rate this year for him is over 13, so that's something to pay attention to. And Robert Broom, uh, another guy from last year's draft. I, I mean... Statistically, he's maybe the most interesting of any of these guys with a walk rate barely over 2, a strikeout rate over 10, a walk rate under 5, and a home run rate of only point six nine. Uh, continuing to, to kind of put him and Robinson and Nelson are probably with me along with Nick Sandlin in that second tier of arms. I think James Karinchok is, is in a tier by himself when everything is clicking and going there. And, yeah, it's basically... If you go to an Akron game... Uh, you want to see Morgan pitch. Uh, Sam Henkes is the the big prospect. He is 1-8 this year in ERA near 5. He's started 17 games. Uh, the home run rate is uh, 0.84. The walk rate is uh, 3.99, a strikeout rate barely above 8. Just 22 years of age. Had a lot of injury issues, but it, the concern here is the hit rate is almost 11. He is, guys are picking up his stuff and hitting it, and if they're doing that in Double A, you wonder um, about the viability long term. Hit rate is something I pay attention to more in the lower minors because, um, or just in the minors in general, because of the fact that it the guys who get hit around at this point are just gonna if guys can pick it up easy it's going to continue to be something that gets picked up easily by teams. Um, makes you wonder if, even though he's huge, you know, he's the opposite of Eli Morgan, uh, physically, uh, that he is a lefty. So maybe, uh, pen arm could be something we see with Henkes down the line. I don't, he was in my top 10 to start the year. I don't think he would make it at this point with the, uh, the draft and a few other guys kind of elevating themselves, um, in the minors this year. But that is a, a more in-depth look. If you're going down to Akron, uh, Ernie Clement and Alex Call are interesting. Kaye Tom. Uh, I'm still intrigued by Andrew Montesterio. Uh, everyone else, I, you know, eh. And J- 
you know, try to catch Henke's uh, or Morgan. I would recommend Morgan. And then uh, maybe Adam Scott. I forgot he is a currently a starter. But uh, after, I would look for one of those three and then just enjoy the pen arms because that is definitely the strength of that team. Thank you for listening, rating and reviewing, telling a friend, anything that helps the show grow. And as always, go Tribe! <laughs>